Hello, and welcome to this edition of Secure Networks, the Enday's Packet Forensic Files with your host, Michael Morris. This week's very special guest is Roseanne Gutierrez, Technical Enablement Specialist with IBM. Rose, welcome. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to join us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Um, I currently work in business development for IBM Security. I provide uh, technical support and resources to business partners that are interested in building integrations with IBM Security products. Uh, my focus is on QRadar XDR SOAR, XDR Connect, and our Open Cybersecurity Alliance efforts. And my background is in critical infrastructure security operations. I've been on a SOC for 15 years, and I specialize in uh, computer forensics and digital investigation. And and that background is where I'm so excited to get to talk to you today, Rose, because I'll, I'll be frank, we haven't had a lot of SOC analysts uh, on our, our series, and so I'm super excited to hear from some of your experiences that. Um, let's start with, with sharing your experiences and insights and recommendations as a SOC analyst. You know, um, What's life really like for a security analyst? And, you know, we hear all these rumors, there's so many tools to learn and uh, so many alarms, you're just constantly overwhelmed. Is, is it really a constant firefight or, you know, tell us about a typical day? Yeah, I, I uh, really feel for the security analysts for to, of today because uh, they not only have to learn quickly, they have to adapt and they have to do it all now, right? And do all the things. Um their responsibilities just seem to be endless sometimes. Yeah. You have the attack surface that continues to expand. Cyber attacks are more sophisticated. And as technology grows, the number of tools increase. And then interoperability, you know, interoperability becomes a problem mm -hmm. uh, because of it. So what are some of the things in your experience uh, that you and your team did to manage and really improve the situation, right? It's a constant fight, right, from everything, everyone I talk to. So what are For some sure. things you guys did? Um, I think in general, teams just kind of evolve as they mature. Like when I first started, my team was uh, just one single group that okay. at, where everybody kind of did everything. Uh, we installed servers. We did security monitoring, uh, vulnerability and patch management, incident response. Um, and, and because everybody did everything, sometimes it was a little bit chaotic. Uh, then it was divided into functions. So we have okay. like architecture, monitoring, and uh, administration uh, to kind of allow for a little bit more focus, uh, which can be good because you can mm -hmm. grow in that area. You can play to team strengths mm -hmm. and you can, you know, give the opportunity for growth. You know, if somebody's, hey, I really want to do that, but I don't really know it, uh, then you can kind of put that training in place to mm -hmm. try to get them uh, to, to that area to, or to that level. And so I think that that really helped as, uh, like I said, as we matured. No, that's tremendous. It's the maturity factor that I, I keep hearing is some organizations are very new. They've got both young people, inexperienced people. Uh, so I, I, I think you're spot on on that. So of all the tools uh, and systems you had in your SOC, what were some of the most important, uh, useful uh, and maybe a better way to talk about it is what were the characteristics of those platforms that made them so valuable and effective for you and your organization? Yeah, I, you know, tools alone can only do so much, right? So point. you really want to strive to kind of focus equally on people, processes, and technology to be successful. Mm. So you really want to take care of your people, 
as far as training and quality of life, you know, getting people up to speed and making sure that they're not working, you know, 40 hour shifts, you know, it, which is easy to do when you run into an incident where you can be working overnight, depending on what's going on, you know, make sure that they've got a chance to take a break, you know, that they can sleep, that they can eat because fresh eyes are going to give you the better response, you know, than someone who's tired and might miss something. Uh, so, you know, have those shifts in place, make sure that, uh, you know, not only do you have your processes documented, mm -hmm. but you actually follow those processes, <laughs> uh, that they weren't just created for compliance and they gather, you know, sit in the corner and gather dust. And when you're looking at technology uh, to make sure that it integrates with the other tools that you have so that you use a larger percentage of uh, features in the technology, in the tools okay. that you have, uh, you know, latest and greatest tool isn't really as important as how the tool fits yeah. into your workflow right. and uh, how difficult it's going to be to integrate that tool. That is a great question. And I want to kind of a little follow up to that. And don't mean to go off topic here from our, our script that we've worked together. But when you're in the heat of the moment, right, and your incident is happening, and you're doing that all nighter investigation, how often do does, you know, the process just go out the window, right? And, and it's just scramble, you know, a firefight at that point type of thing. So, you know, when you're new, and and you're learning uh it can easily go out the window because you're you're worried that you're gonna miss something or like you said in the heat of the moment you do something but i think that's kind of where training kicks in mm -hmm. because you know if you're training your people right then they at least have a guideline of the steps that they need to hit and then they'll be able to cover all of the pieces and they don't miss something mm -hmm. and if you are setting up your team properly you know, you also have that verification step in there to make sure that, mm -hmm. yeah, it wasn't missed. Yeah, we did this right. Yeah, we stored our, our artifacts here and we kept track of who we talked to and and that kind of a thing. So it's um, it can be big, but, you know, you have to also trust your people to make the decisions in the moment and, and know that they're going to make those right decisions. Right. Uh, and and get all the information that they need. But I think training really is a big one. No, that's a great point. And we'll, we'll come back to that a little bit later. I know we, because that's always a theme that comes up of are the people trained? Uh, what are some best practices that, that you've learned? Uh, and now is your time at IBM, um, that you can really kind of step back and say, hey, these are some things I really recommend for any SOC team or SOC analyst. I think... The big one is really getting those fundamentals down. Uh, my my motto <laughs> is, you know, not just fundamentals, but it's uh, what I call the four V's, okay. which is visibility, volume, verify, and vacuum. And what I mean by that is, you know, with visibility, you can't protect something if you don't know it exists. Right. So for tangible assets, that means you need to be involved in uh, the procurement process. For intangible assets, that means being involved at the beginning of the development process so that you can ensure controls are in place at the very beginning. For volume, yeah, right, volume's on, always an issue. We talked about it at the beginning. Right. You've got events coming in all over the place, but the thing is you need to make sure that those events are, um, are good for you, right? So once you've got your asset down, what can you get from that asset? Right. right. What kind of information can you get? What information is pertinent to, uh, you you know, an investigation that you might have on that asset? 
what kind of information, you know, will you need to add context to that alert mm -hmm. so that it's actionable, right? So that you don't have the same alert coming in over and over again. And it gets to the point where you have alert fatigue and people just ignore it because they're like, oh, it's that one alert. It's just because we've got that misconfiguration out on, you mm -hmm. know, the such and such server because we just did a patch. And yeah, that alert. Yeah, we've got like thousands of those coming in. Okay. So fix it, right? If you fix it now and it's gone, now you don't have those thousands of alerts coming in and now your console's clear, clean and your analysts aren't just like ignoring things that could potentially mm -hmm. be an issue. Mm -hmm. um, once you've reduced that volume, then you can go in and, you know, add automation, which will help mm -hmm. uh, lower your response time. Right. Um, and then the other two, you know, verify you know, once you do have those alerts coming in and, and you have automated that process, what are you doing to verify that you're getting what you think you're getting? Mm. <laughs> right. Because you don't Great just point. assume you don't just set it and forget it. Right. You have to go back and make sure that you have some kind of verification in place to say, yeah, right. If, if uh, a server drops off your network, you need to know that it dropped off your network and all of a sudden you're not hearing from it anymore. How do you do that? Right. Right. So you have to have some kind of uh, process in there so that, you know, like, for example, if you're involved in change management mm -hmm. and you know that, okay, yeah, they're going to be doing patching or, or, you know, for these systems over in this particular subnet, when all of a sudden a million alerts start coming into right. your SIM, you go, oh, yeah, that's probably tied to that maintenance. Let's, let's go look at it, right. you know, and, and. You know, that kind of brings me to my last piece, which is vacuum. We're not in a vacuum. You have to work across the org. You have to deal with all of your business units so that, you know, communication is there. Right. Right. And that that's what makes you a better team is having that visibility across the community, you know, across your org as well. And that communication in place. No, that's a great, I'm going to, I'm going to use that. I'm going to run with it. I like the four V's and uh, <laughs> I, I was wondering where you were going with vacuum and, and it totally makes sense because I, I'm sure I've talked to a number of CISOs and things and, and about the volume of things. I, I'm just even looking in our own demo lab and, and our sock that we have there, the volume of random stuff just because of updates and patches. And I mean, great point. Oh, yeah. So. And it, and it, like I said, you see it over and over again, and you get that alert fatigue. Right. Where you're like, oh yeah, it's this thing. Just just remove it. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's, but, it's, like I said, I, I love that. I'm going to run with it. So let's let's talk about kind of elevating socks, right? The threat hunting from just incident response. Did did you and your team get to spend much time in in more proactive threat hunting, or is your view most socks are just completely consumed in incident response? So it's it's interesting because, um, you know, kind of talking about communication across the org and jumping into this. So when I started uh, in in my job on the SOC, uh, we had actually gone through a complete refresh of the team. So we were all brand new to each other. Okay. And, um, you know, at the beginning, uh, you don't necessarily have a lot of that, right? Because you're scam scrambling to try to just make sure that you do have that visibility, that you do know you know, what are we supposed to be looking at? What is it that we need to protect? That kind of a thing. And then as you mature, you start adding those pieces in. So when you're looking at, you know, incident response and threat hunting, you know, that's a whole different animal, right? Because you are seeing that um, in mature, more mature socks because right. they tend to have the resources to do it. Right. So 
when I started and we were kind of learning that we had little bits here and there that we were kind of, uh, how do you say, uh, ad hocing in as we did things. But then as we started maturing, we added that automation in, like adding in a SOAR, right. right, to to have the playbooks to say, OK, if I have this particular incident, type of incident, antivirus incident, you know, a, a virus on an endpoint. Um, what am I going to do to respond to it? Well, I know I probably, you know, maybe I want to image the workstation. Maybe I want to go in and pull, you know, history from my uh, EDR to see what mm -hmm. was going on, you know, for an hour before and an hour after. Maybe I need more than that, right? right. Um, and then kind of working backwards and saying, okay, well, if I am going to have to do that, what kind of information do I need, right? So that I actually have, like, for example, the logs that I need, right? Because, right? you know, you want to say, hey, I want to go in and get like the last, you know, hour or, you know, hour before, hour after mm -hmm. uh, of this incident. Do you actually have the ability to do that? <laughs> you might not if you That's haven't set point. up, you know, log retention. If you haven't, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't have your logs going to the right place, uh, if the system that you're looking for doesn't have logs, right? So so you have to be able to kind of work backwards to, to add those extra, right. what I call kind of special seasoning in, Right. Uh, so yeah. that you can increase uh, what, what you're doing. No, that, those are some excellent points there. So how do you how do you recommend SOC teams mature to be more proactive functions? Right. Because as right. you described, it's it's a maturing process. Uh, we've hit that a couple of times. Um, but what's some steps they can take? Um, going back to uh, fundamentals. Right. So you start okay. with visibility. What do you have? What can you get from it? Uh, are you getting what you expect? That That's means great. not just uh, security-wise, but compliance-wise, right? Mm -hmm. um, and if so, great. Uh, start again, right? Do I have everything? Do it because your environment is consistently changing. It's mm -hmm. it's never always the same. You're never done. Right. <laughs> so you need to, you know, if you're in that procurement process, so you know new things are being brought online. Uh, you know, that's great because as new things are being brought online, hopefully you've got a workflow in place to say, you know testing can i make sure that that's being brought online am i seeing it am i getting what i need out of it if not going back to the org and saying make sure i'm getting that mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um increase the quality and capabilities of the team and right. by doing that you train your people add automation where you can you know where it makes sense right. mm -hmm. and then like i said just have that you know work across the org and have that communication in place now those are some good good tips for folks to really walk away from so you're now in a very different role um, as an alliance manager, you know, technical specialist uh, for one of the leading cybersecurity vendors in the world at, at IBM. Uh, and again, we're very, very grateful for you to join us here on our, our podcast series. Uh, what's You've got a very different perspective now, right? You're out of the day-to-day -day fire. You see broad things across the industry, um, different tools, different teams, different processes. And again, kind of hitting on... Uh, you know, processes, people, training, tools. What's some other advice you've learned having this more broad picture that that you'd say, hey, if I'd have known that in the SOC, you know, before it'd be different. And and so what what's some words of wisdom you can give uh based on your your different perspective now? I think uh probably the biggest one is that when you are looking at uh refreshing or purchasing new tools or services, you need to make sure that your requirements are clear so that, you know, what you're purchasing helps meet your team and business goals. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is, 
you know, you could go out and buy that best of breed tool, right? Yeah. It's cool and it's shiny, <laughs> but does it actually amplify your capabilities or does it just give you another screen to look at? Does it just create more work because now you got to figure out how I'm going to integrate it into what I'm doing. Right. And uh, if that's the case that, you know, you want to take a, a second consideration yeah. to see because, you know, you'd be amazed at the number of um, not just the number of tools that people use, but the percentage of the features that they actually utilize for that tool. You know, I'd be surprised if you're using 50% of the features of a tool. Um, and the reason you're there is because, you know, you don't necessarily have that tool set in place where you're looking at how it fits with your workflow and, and, you know, once it's there, how much work is it going to be to integrate it? Right. right? Cause not everything talks. This kind of goes back to what I mentioned at the very beginning, my work with the open cybersecurity Alliance, right? Mm -hmm. Interoperability is the thing we want to be able to have our tools talk to one another because then it makes it easier for, you know, the SOC to do their job. Yeah. And so if, if you're doing that, then, um, you know, you're spending less work on integrations, you're spending less work on compliance, and you can really focus on security, which is where you want to be. Right. No, that, that's a tremendous, that's obviously something big for us here at Endace. And you know that working with you at IBM, uh, simple user workflows to get the right data to the right people, right? And uh, I, I think that's that's mm -hmm. fundamental uh, for simplifying. And, and it, right back to your fundamentals comment. Okay, so Rose, my last question. Uh, I always like to close our, our interviews with the kind of if you're the prognosticator, you know the the weather lady for what's uh, what's happening in cybersecurity over the next six to eighteen months. You know what's what's one thing you you advise our listeners to think about or look out for um, uh, in the horizon. So I think uh, you know really kind of going back and looking at, you know, solidifying what your goals are, making sure that they match with the business, mm -hmm. uh, looking at your tool set, seeing, you know, identifying where your gaps are and what you need to kind of fix those gaps. And then going back to looking at, you know, again, interoperability, right. And, mm -hmm. and making, you know, increasing your capabilities for your team so that it makes them more effective. And then, you know, being able to respond quicker better quicker faster right better quicker faster yeah. that's the world uh no rose <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your insights your experience as a, as a SOC analyst uh and helping our listeners to better secure their networks we'd ask them, folks to tune in next time for another edition of the endace packet forensic files for more information about endace's network packet capture platform and our integrations with our fusion technology partners like ibm please go to endace.com. Rose, again, thanks for taking some time out of your day to share your expertise. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. All right.